Morning folks, welcome back to the second part of our study on the Sabbath. It's part of our Running on Empty series as we try to work our way through this pandemic. It's important that we pace ourselves right in this time, not just to try and get through now, but to go forward as we mean to go on. Now, in the first part of the message, which if you've missed it, I'll put it in the description below, uh, we talked about the importance of having our lives in balance. But some of you have been running on fumes long before this pandemic came. And it's because you've been ignoring the owner's manual. The Bible is straight from the manufacturer, as it were. And he set out the parameters and the limits of what our bodies can do. And as God says, You've got to have balance, that six to one ratio, six days to do all your work, one day to not, one day to stop. And if you ignore the manual and keep going and abuse your body and push it and push it and push it, eventually you'll break. Work is important. It is necessary, but it's not supreme. It's not the only thing that's of worth and the only thing that's important. And so we need to rest, relax for our bodies, for our relationships sake. The Sabbath is a gift to us from God. Jesus himself said so in Mark 2, he said the Sabbath was made for man, not the other way around. It's not supposed to be a day of weird rules that makes life harder, but a day set aside to enjoy what we already have, our family, our faith. And we saw last time these strange rules normally come from a good place to help people keep Sabbath, to keep it distinctive, but if it's just rules without rest, without the relationships, it's empty. And then the owner's manual, the manufacturer, God himself says, okay, here's the top 10 commandments. And number four, rest, chill, take the day off and spend it with me. In the list of the 10 commandments, this is the tender commandment. Tender, yes, by emphasis on the word commandment. I think it's a sin if you don't chill out once a week. Folks, seriously, how wonderful is this of God to say? Holiness, obediently living the way God has called us to live, demands chilling out. And ultimately, it's going to lead to true, deep happiness. Psalm 119 verse 2 says, Happy are those who keep his rules, who try to obey him with their whole heart. And so our week should have balance. That six to one ratio of vocation and vacation. Six days where we labour and the seventh day as the day of rest. I heard the story about a rabbi who was uh, in the habit of breaking the Sabbath. Now Jews have the really strict rules uh, and standards for keeping that Saturday. But this rabbi broke them habitually by going and playing golf every Saturday. Uh, an angel saw him and decided to fly off and report him to God. Now God obviously knew before the angel got there, but said, okay, well, angel, what do you think we should do about it? The angel says, well, he's a terrible hypocrite. We should punish him. Let's strike him down. God says, no, 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 no. I have a better idea. And so God moved his hand and back on earth, the rabbi teed off in 16th hole. And to his amazement, the ball flew so sweetly off his um, club, 350 yards, hit the green and sweetly drops into the hole, a hole in one. The angel was confused. Lord, forgive me for asking, but how is this a punishment? And God smiles. Who's he going to tell? <laughs> Let's, let's read the verses in Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. 
For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now this is controversial with some because they look at it through the lens of tradition and that's unfortunate and I want us to do this through the lens of scripture today but since you asked let me say a few things should Christians keep the Sabbath should that be a Saturday or a Sunday should we keep the Sabbath and the Lord's Day the Saturday and the Sunday okay well first question it's, it's easy when is the Sabbath well Saturday it's easy it's always been a Saturday always will be a Saturday the Sabbath is the seventh day of the week the last day of the seven a day of rest now a lot of people will then talk about why they changed to a Sunday took place they'll fiercely demand that we go back to the Saturday of that being the day set aside for church and every church that meets on a Sunday is wrong it's okay I'm recording this on a Saturday I'm sweet no matter what happens here and arguments go back and forth and Without going into it, yes, the Council of Laodicea in 364 uh, recognised Sunday as the official day that the church meets. But, you know, they never mentioned or referenced the, the Saturday practices that some had. We need to think biblically. I mean, just think, what happened on the best Sunday ever? The resurrection, the first day of the week. Christians meet on a Sunday because we want to mark the victory of Christ over death and in doing so we mark the newness of a new week with the newness of life that we now have in him and you'll read across the new testament that christians met on a sunday acts 20 verse 7 first corinthians 16 verse 2 revelation 1 10 all talk about when the lord was moving and they were talking and breaking bread on the first day of the week see here's why the church has moved away from the saturday to the sunday the seventh day celebrates a finished creation but the first day celebrates a finished salvation that's why we did it on a sunday okay so should christians then keep the sabbath drum roll tyler yes and no okay really hedging my bets but let me explain see the principles are new testament the rules are Old Testament, but the days are relevant. Every one of the Ten Commandments is re-emphasized in the New Testament, except this one. There is no command from Christ or in any of the letters that go come after the Gospels, whether it was Peter or Paul or anyone else, to keep the Sabbath Saturday. Now, two important passages, just to draw a line under my argument here. Acts 15, the whole chapter, the Council of Jerusalem are meeting. They're trying to figure out what to do with all these new converts, the Gentile converts to Christianity. What should we tell them? How do we disciple them? What needs to happen? What principles are we going to set forth to them? And one, even one of the things that they were talking about was, should the adults be circumcised? So, I mean, literally, everything's up for debate here. Here's what the Bible says their answer was. Okay, again, the whole chapter, but um, verses 28 to 29, they write a letter to these converts. And it says, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden of Jewish laws on you than to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from unbled meats of strangled animals, and of course, fornication. If you do this, it is enough. Farewell. These three things. That's enough. 
In fact, there are more arguments against keeping the Sabbath than keeping it in the New Testament. Check out the first 12 verses of Romans 14 for context. But verses 5 and 6 of Romans 14 says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honour of the Lord. In other words, who are you to judge what someone else is doing? If they want to worship God one day a week, brilliant, let them. If they want to worship him seven days a week, brilliant, let them. The point is they're worshipping God. See, it's the principles of the Sabbath over the specifics. Colossians 2 is, is the other passage. It's a wonderful chapter. Paul is saying that, you know, Christ is preeminent. He's the first. He's the focus. He's also the fulfillment of the law. Listen to these verses. Uh, verse 14 chips in there. Uh, By cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Amen. But listen to this, verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. That's scripture. And we want to be obedient to scripture, right? So, so don't let anyone judge you in relation to your food or your drink laws, your Sabbaths. You can't say that with the other nine commandments. Don't let anyone judge you when you murder or have an affair. No, there's this wonderful freedom that comes through to the fourth commandment. That's because of Colossians 2 verse 17. It says these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Verse 18, because let no one disqualify you. You see, if I come home some night from a church meeting, uh, you know, back whenever I was allowed to go out, the streetlights outside the house would cast a shadow up my drive. Now, this has never happened, but we're in the realm of fantasy with me being out in the first place, so let's continue it. Um, Ruth and the girls, they come running out to, to welcome me, right? This has never happened, okay? But imagine they do, and they start hugging the shadow that the streetlight has formed, all right? Say, so, oh, it's great to have you back, Daddy. We missed you so much. I'd be like, uh, hold on here. I love the enthusiasm. I love the heart behind it, but the substance is up here. That's what Colossians is saying. Look, Sabbath is great, but the substance is somewhere else. It's Hebrews 4 says the real Sabbath is Christ. It's not a day. It's salvation. Hebrews 4, 9 says, there, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So for all the talk of Saturdays or Sundays and rules and regulations, don't get so focused on the day that you miss Christ who fulfills the law. You could be the most rested person in the UK and still be restless if you don't have Christ. Okay, so keep that in mind as we go through these verses here in Exodus 20. On Wednesday, we saw that having a day of rest, having a Sabbath brings balance to our lives. That six to one ratio uh, where we labor and we do all our work on six days. And then we've got one day to stop and to rest and to remember God. We spoke a bit about how that's been warped over time by tradition and rules and regulations where the day has been made distinctive for all the wrong reasons, distinctive by rules and not for rest. So look at Exodus 20 verse 10 again. It says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or female servant or your livestock or the sojourner or the traveller. 
who's within your gates. So everyone around you should stop as best as you can allow it. The people who you can influence should stop, whether it's you, your family, your employees, let them chill, let them vegetate. I, I know not every job allows for that. There's jobs that demand working on Sunday, uh, but as, as best as within your ability, take a day to rest. Psalm 23 says he makes us lie down to restore our souls. It's that six to one ratio where God has given us a day to make sure that we lie down to make us refuel. Now, I know that some people will be thinking that, Jeff, I love the concept. I like the theory. I would if I could, but you don't understand how busy I am. Things need done. Bills need paid. Bills need to be put on the table. Okay. But remember Exodus 16. With the manna, God brought the manna down. God put enough bread on the table for every person in Israel on the Sabbath with no one eating. It fell six days in the week and they should collect only enough for that day and then double on the Saturday. And that would see them through for the Sunday. But of course, we read that there were some people who thought, okay, but if I go out on the Sunday or on the Sabbath, on the Saturday, I can get extra. I can get ahead of the game. And of course, when they went out on the seventh day to collect it, guess what? They find nothing. There's nothing to be gained by trying to work on the Sabbath. So, ah, Jeff, that's where I've got you, you see, because the work I do on Sunday is really paying off for me. Look at the holiday. Look at the car. Look at the clothes. It's paying off. Me working hard is paying off. But what I would say to you is, okay, but what you're gaining really is nothing compared to what it's costing you. The Sabbath is a gift from God. It is made for you and it is good for you. Look at the verses again. The word you keeps appearing in verse 10. It's as if God's trying to get it through our thick skulls. Listen, it's not for other people to do. This is for you. And it's good for us in different ways. Number one, physically. Industry leaders are finally beginning to show the scientific evidence for what the Bible has been teaching for, for centuries. The research says that once you cross that 40 hour per week threshold, people are more likely to start losing concentration. People are more prone to mistakes. You're more likely to have a lower morale and like your job less. Basically, the further past that 40, week, uh, 40 hour per week threshold you go, every standard starts to drop. So it would seem that science has proved what the manufacturer has been saying in the owner's manual all this time. And look, I'll confess, I'm not always, I haven't always been good at keeping a Sabbath. I know the feeling of always having something to do. I never get to the point where it's like, okay, I finished being a pastor. The joy, everything's tech, everything's done. There's always something to do. There's always a sermon that could be improved. No jokes, okay? I always feel that I could be tweaking, I could always be improving. There's always someone who, who I need to be calling or, or following up with or just making sure everyone's okay. There's always that sense of I should be doing more, I could be doing more. I'm talking to pastors, there seems to be this unwritten code that we have that overworking is next to godliness, that nothing will happen unless we make it happen. And if everything goes wrong, it's our fault because we didn't do enough. You hear pastors say it all the time, I'd rather burn bright and burn out than just rust out. That's stupid. Either way, you're out. Whether you burn out or rust out, out is still out. The idea is to stay in, to keep going, to have enough fuel in the tank and to live at optimum performance. Someone said, better to work smarter than work harder. Now, I know what I'm going to say will feel counterintuitive, but 
See when you feel overwhelmed, overstretched. Ignore the instinct to work harder, to dig down and to push on. Because what I find is that my days of rest in those circumstances become all the more important as best as you can. Don't sacrifice your day off. I get really busy sometimes, okay, when there's maybe a funeral to do or there's different things happening on top of all the usual. And I'm sure you get busy weeks as well. But rest is a gift that God has given to us to use for a reason. I find that when I'm busy and I manage to and I make myself take that day off, it reorientates my heart. It refreshes my energy levels. It refocuses my mindset. And all of a sudden I can keep, when I start into it again, I'm doing more and I'm doing better than what if I had just pushed on. Because all of a sudden, the whole world doesn't seem to revolve around that problem that I'm dealing with. Or it doesn't revolve around that one problem he's doing your head in. Or, or, or whatever happens to be. All of a sudden there's just that wee bit more perspective that you just lift your head up a wee bit. Take a breath. I I was very bad at sitting and doing nothing, you know, so I just started twitching and sorry, you know, because well I, I need to do this, I need to keep going. And everything wasn't just important, but everything was urgent. And of course when no one else shares that urgency or shares that concerns it, add frustration, add anger, add bitterness to the recipe and it's a disaster. But that day off is God's reminder to me that I also need to be present as a father, present as a husband, present as a neighbour. That those are some of the other important things that are happening. And just because there isn't a time thing on it that makes it feel like it's urgent, well sure, my wife's always going to be there, my kids are always going to be there. It's not how life works. And urgency feels like it's missing there. The Sabbath is a wonderful way of God saying, no, 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 no. Just remember, this is just as important. These things that I've given you, you need to save them, you need to enjoy them, you need to protect them, invest in them. And so not everything fits into that six-day-a-week category. You need that extra one for some of those other urgent things. I can't tell you how much better I have felt whenever I look after myself. And pause and get ready to go again after taking a breath. There's a reason why boxers only go three minute rounds compared to footballers doing 45 minute halves. The more intensive a task, the more essential taking a break becomes. You could never ask a boxer to do a 45 minute round. They'd be dead in 10 minutes. You can't do it. In Mark 6, we read about how Jesus sent out his apostles and then after reading the, about the death of John the Baptist, we read that the apostles come back. This is verse 30. And they're talking about all the things that they had done and the people they had visited. And Jesus says to them in verse 31, let's get away from the crowds for a while and rest. For so many people were coming and going that they scarcely had time to eat. This was just before the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus says, great work, guys. Well done. You did some amazing stuff there. But now let's give ourselves time to rest. You need to eat. Refueling and taking a Sabbath is not lazy or sinful. It is Christ-like and it is obedient. My dad always tells the story of a young man challenging a large lumberjack to a competition so he can chop down the most trees in a day. So the big lad, he's laughing at this wee guy. He goes, I'm going to smash you. And so he starts whacking away and he's laughing to himself and he looks over and the guy's, the wee lad's just sitting there filling with his axe. 
and he cracks on again. He cracks on, looks over at guys, and he's taking another break. And she, he gets to the end of the, the day, and he turns around and goes, turns out he's lost the competition. And, and he's convinced, son, you must have cheated. There's no way. I was going the whole time. I never stopped. Every time I looked over, you were messing around with your axe. And so he gets to the end of it and says, how come? He says, well, every, big lad, every time you, you turned around to me, I wasn't just resting. I was sharpening my axe. So a Sabbath is good for you physically. Take a breath. Sharpen your axe. Stay in the race. So when you start again, you can go better, more efficiently. But it's also an important thing relationally. Take your day off. But the people around you should get a break as well. The reality about the rat race is that all it does is eat up your free time. You start earlier and earlier. You stay later and later. All of a sudden then you say, well, look, can you do this on a Saturday? And then all of a sudden you're doing a Saturday all the time. And then you're doing a Saturday and a wee bit of a Sunday. And then all of a sudden it's Saturday and Sunday. And you're doing more and more and more just to either stick the pace or to try and get ahead. But the result is that a lot of the children of these families in a rat race will spend more time with a babysitter than a parent who's engaged. We've got childminders in the church. You ask them. But you know, I've spent time as a pastor with people who are dying. Not one of them has ever turned around to me and says, Jeff, I really regret spending so much time with my family. Cheap or so. Never. But I have heard people say, I wish I'd spent more time. This is the result of the rat race. Remember I said before, ah, oh, Jeff, working Sundays pays off. Look at the car, look at the holidays, look at the clothes. It's not worth it. It's nothing compared to the cost. Heard a story about a young man standing before a judge. Trial has been and gone, and he's there for sentencing. The judge knows the boy through his, the lad's father, who was a well-known legal uh, scholar who wrote the great book on law. So the judge asked the young man, son, do you remember your father? I do, Your Honour. He says, what's your memory of, of your father? Well, Your Honour, I remember the any time I went to speak to him about advice or trouble I was in, he'd say, look, not now. I've got to finish the book. Any time I went to him, he never had time for me. He says, Your Honour, you remember him as a great legal scholar. I remember him as a lost friend. And the story goes that the judge murmured under his breath, finished the book, but lost the boy. Finished the book but lost the boy. The fourth command is a call from God to not lose the boy, to not lose the girl, to be there for your family, to be there with your spouse. It, it's good for you. The Sabbath is good for you physically. It's good for you relationally. Number three, it's very good for you spiritually. Verse 10 starts saying about the seventh day as a Sabbath to the Lord your God. See, when you take the day, you proclaim he's God. He's my supplier, he is my refuge, he is my strength, he is my resource. I have worked hard this week, but I rest in Christ. Your ability to stop and rest is a reflection of how much you really trust God. It's the same with how much you tithe. You hear people saying, oh, all I have is the Lord's. Really? Because you don't give him anything. <laughs> you never give anything to him. But the tithe proves that you trust God with your finances. The Sabbath proves that you trust God with your schedule. And so in verse 10, we, we have that rest explained to us. But in verse 11, we have the reason for it. It says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. 
Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, was God tired? Was that why he had to take a rest? Did he get to the end of the sixth day and think, oh man, I am just shattered. I need a day off. Elephants are hard. No, of course not. He could have kept on creating. Day eight, day nine, day ten, day a hundred, day one million. He could have stepped. He could be creating skill still. New colours, new animals, new creatures, new plants. He could have filled the planet and every other planet. But he said, no, I'm done. I'm stopping here. That's enough. I've done enough. Listen, folks. Yes, you could keep going. Keep creating, keep filling your world with jobs and commitments without stopping. But let me ask you this, when will it be enough? When will it ever be enough? When will it be enough for you to say, okay, I'm going to stop at this point. You know, it's okay to stop when you've still got fuel in the tank. You don't have to go until you're at the point of breaking down. Verse 11 is about how God was able to say, I'm stopping now. The lesson has to be like father, like son. Or like father, like daughter. If God, being tireless, knows when to stop, then we should follow the example, especially since we do get tired. We do have limits. The owner's guide tells us so. One of the hardest things is knowing that you can keep going, but that it's enough, that it's the right time to stop, to practice what Psalm 46 says, to be still and know that I am God, to be still and say, I'm taking the day. I've worked hard six days, but I'm resting in you, God, as supplier, as king, as father. I'm going to be still and remember and trust in you. See, Sabbath is more than just a day off, but it's a day that moves us away from work and self-reliance, but towards worship and declares our reliance on him. So I could push on. Yes, I could do more, but enough is enough. Now it's time to stop, to rest, to remember, to rely on Christ. And in doing so, refuel our bodies, our hearts and our souls. Don't fall into the habit, folks, of waiting till you're running on fumes until you decide to stop. Make it a habit to regularly stay topped up so that you can run at optimum performance. It's in the manual for a reason. God wants us to operate this way. If anything makes the top 10, it's, it's worth taking seriously. Top five, even more so. This is the fourth commandment, the tender commandment. Let's obey it. Let's take it seriously, for it is good for us to do so. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your tenderness, Lord, in this wonderful um, commandment of all the things that perhaps you could have said to us about what we should do and shouldn't do and all the rest of it, that one of the most important things that you wanted to say to your people was, make sure you rest, make sure you're relaxed, make sure that it's not, it doesn't all become about how much that we can do and how much effort we put in. But we have a day set aside to remind ourselves that we are dependent on you, that you are God and we are not, that you are sovereign and we are not that you are the king and we are simply the servants of the king. And so, Lord, we thank you for this lesson. Lord, I pray for those who have been busy, who have been running on fumes, uh, either in lockdown as, as they balance jobs and the homeschooling and, and all the rest of it, um, to those who have been on fumes long before lockdown, trying to work every moment that God gives them, struggling to keep up. Lord, I pray that this, these lessons in Sabbath would be 
something that we take on board and we ask this in your name. Amen.